Welcome to Simulcast. I'm Victoria Brazel. I'm Ben Simon. I'm Jesse Spur. I'm Jess Stokes Parish, and you're listening to Simulcast. Connecting the healthcare simulation community. So welcome to Simulcast. I'm Victoria Brazel, and today we're going to be talking about debriefing and more importantly, how we get better at debriefing. Uh, we all know, and we spend a lot of time here at Simulcast talking about how hard simulation debriefing can be and actually how risky it can be. Uh, we've talked about how faculty development probably helps and indeed how having a community of practice with some peer feedback might be a really useful idea. So bring on the Meta Debrief Club, which is what we're going to be talking about today. So I'll introduce a little bit more about this club shortly, but I'm going to introduce my couple of guests who are members of the Meta Debrief Club leaders of it. And the first of these is Ed Mellonby. And I'm going to read out the bio he's given me. So he's the lead for faculty development at the Medical Education Directorate at NHS Lothian and an educational coordinator at the Scottish Centre for Simulation and Clinical Human Factors and an anaesthetist. And when he's not doing that, he's enjoying the Scottish surf scene, which seems rather funny thing to say to a Gold Coast girl. Uh, how are you, Ed? You're in Edinburgh. I'm very good, Vic. Thanks very much. And thanks for having us on. And uh, yeah, it's uh, the Scottish surf scene a little cooler and a little less crowded, but uh, but it's much more enjoyable in cold water, I promise. <laughs> All right, I'll take your word for that. Uh, and joining Ed and I is Nathan Oliver, a di- displaced Australian, uh, and he's the Clinical Simulation Program Manager at the NHS Lothian. And by background, he's an ED nurse and clinical nurse educator and a keen interest, this is his words, in seeing people succeed and to be supported as a more personal one. And uh, he's been involved in simulation-based education for uh, a long period of time and moved from Canberra, Australia in 2015 uh, over to Edinburgh. And uh, he says he loves the cold, the rain, and doesn't miss the beach, the sun, or the good coffee of Australia at all. Nathan, uh, I love your frankness. Oh, Vic, it's great to be here. And uh, look, I I don't surf because Canberra's inland, obviously, for your listeners from Australia who have been to Canberra, but uh, I might take it up on that surfing um, out in the nice, fresh cold, hey. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, I'll be interested to hear more. But the backstory to this episode is uh, listeners might remember that we did a uh, episode on the Meta Debrief Club after this group published a paper in BMJ Still a couple of years ago, and we, we found the idea really interesting. But more recently, uh, having got that memory, I enrolled in the workshop uh, that these guys ran at CSAM just uh, a couple of months ago and enjoyed it immensely and thought, you know, we should do another episode where we really do a deep dive into what goes on at this Meta Debrief Club. But Nathan, I thought we might get you just to start with a little bit of background because it's always useful to know what kind of sims do you do, what kind of program do you have, who teaches in it. Um, give us the sort of context for uh, what kind of sim you do. Absolutely. Yeah, well, look, we're, we're, we're quietly proud of... Um and I think many sim centres are. We're quietly proud of the the little bit of impact we get to have in our in our health board and around the place. We we have um, a setup where we have uh, simulation centres at all of our main acute hospitals around Lothian. Um, simulation technicians who are the backbone and the and the and the and the, and the driving force of all of our simulations. Um, and we got a vision. We have this b- big sort of ambitious vision to see really effective, impactful simulation uh, embedded into every clinical department uh, across Edinburgh and the Lothian. And our focus in simulation, I suppose, is 
is is about training for training needs when simulation is the the best tool in the toolkit. Uh, rehearsal for departments and interprofessional simulation, both sort of sim based and in situ simulation. Uh, and we're getting more and more involved with uh, simulation for systems integration or, or translational sim, which I've heard you speak a lot about, Vic. So uh, we're really focused on that at the moment. We've got a bunch of new hospitals being built and have been built, and we're getting a lot of success in that area too. Mm, oh, that sounds fantastic. And uh, just so I have a little sense of sort of volume, does this involve heaps of staff? Do you have a small sim team? Tell me a little bit of a picture there. Absolutely. There's a, there's a team of simulation leads across every site, including Ed here, who's our lead for faculty development in the region, uh, a team of simulation technicians, um, and then sort of uh, de- departmental leads who um, are culturally part of our group. So maybe I'm, I'm talking about maybe a, a core sim team of maybe 18 to 24 of us ad hoc who get involved. And then we're really interested in growing the faculty more and more and more embedded, as I said, in the vision. Mm. And this is across a range of departments, specialties and professions, I'm presuming? Yeah, absolutely. Undergraduate, postgraduate, um, medic-based with a keen interest in uh, really putting an underline under interprofessional sims, so bringing in nursing groups and, um, and things like this. Yeah, all right, fantastic. Well, it sounds like with all that happening, there's a great need for faculty development. So, uh, Ed, since that's your job, uh, I know we're going to hear a little bit about the origins of the Meta Debrief Club from Chris Schneike-Kind in a minute, uh, but did you want to sort of give us any overview from yourself about this uh, Meta Debrief Club and, and just the thoughts about it? Yeah, thanks, Vic. I think I've been involved in faculty development for maybe around sort of 10 years or so, um, and I think it's it's a challenge from people going to the simulation center and, and learning about simulation and then embedding, you know, they learn, they learn a load of heaps of new stuff and then they're trying to integrate that and improve um, in their day-to-day practice of debriefing and simulation. And, you know, my job is really to try and support that development. I'm Jess Stokes-Parish and you're listening to Simulcast. Mm, all right. Uh, well, I think this is the point at which I watch the experience podcasters get to hear the origin story. Uh, now, here you're going to hear the voice of uh, Chris Schneike-Kind, as I said, and because he didn't have the good sense to send in a uh, bio to me, I stole his off Twitter. Uh, but it actually, I think, gives us a nice little impression about uh, Chris. He's an anaesthetist, educator, simulator, debriefer, newly Mancunian, and for the non-UK people, that means uh, he's moved to Manchester, father, son, husband, UK. Carriote, I'd like to hear more about that, gamer, occasional photographer and enthusiastic dinner party guest. But you're going to hear him talk now about uh, the origins of the Meta Debrief Club and I think there's some little gems in here. So here's Chris now. A fairly small group of us started the Meta Debrief Club in Edinburgh in 2016. I was a newly appointed teaching fellow along with a few others and we were all totally new to sim and really only just starting to explore the theory and the concepts behind medical education. We went to the Sim Faculty Development course at the Scottish Simulation Centre and we came back really enthusiastic with heads full of ideas and theories and having played around with some techniques. And now we really just wanted to put it into practice. Luckily, we had a lot of Sim time scheduled, um, but we really wanted to make sure that we were using what we'd learned at the course and that we were actually getting better as we went along. 
At the same time, we were just starting exploring some of the fundamental concepts like experiential learning and deliberate practice. And though this is in the context of us becoming better educators, we had a really very clear appreciation that we were also very much the learners in all of this. And, and I think that really informed the way we set things up as we went along. If this is how we're going to be helping our participants learn, why not also apply the process to ourselves? Something that really sparked us off was a comment by one of the SimCourse faculty. A group was there from one of the remote hospitals in the Highlands, and they were asking about um, what you need for an effective Sim setup. Do we need a fancy mannequin? How many cameras do you need? And so on. And the facilitator told them that if you have one camera to use in your Sim setup, pointed at your debriefing, meaning that the greatest added value is being able to revisit and reflect on your own performance as a debriefer. So we really started just doing exactly that. We'd all film each of our debriefs and then we'd meet regularly to watch them back. We'd all take notes and share thoughts and ideas and ultimately aim to decide each time what we would do differently in our next debrief. And we'd then bring each of those recordings to the next session and we could see how the new ideas had worked and we could go through the process again. Pretty quickly, we found other people were coming along to see what we were up to, and they were joining in the chat, and then they were bringing debriefs of their own. And from there, it gradually scaled up to become an embedded part of simulation at Edinburgh. It is funny thinking back the name Meta Debrief Club. It just came about because I needed something to write down in the forum when we booked a room for our sessions. My wife, who's got a bit of an artistic streak and she was finding this whole thing very amusing, decided that a club really should have a crest. And so she got on the computer and made us one full of sim-related heraldic imagery, which became our logo. And now it's just part of our local simulation program. It's a great introduction to sim for novices and it's it's a brilliant way to keep developing if you've already got some experience. Thank you for listening to Simulcast. All right, Ed, I'm going to stick with you because there's some great stuff in what uh, Chris had to say there. And I think one of the key messages is really about practising what you preach and saying if we're expecting our learners to be reflecting and to be talking about their performance, we should be doing that with debriefers. Any reflections on that story of his or about how the Meta Debrief Club came about? Yeah, I think think there's something really powerful about these group of teaching fellows setting it up for themselves. And I think there's something about um, empowering the learners to set this up and and reflect on it in the way that they want to do it. And I think that brings a huge element of improvement in psychological safety uh, into into that way of reflecting. You know, the the way that people bring their own uh, videos voluntarily to the session gives a license to critique to the rest of us and a license for us to learn from from their experiences and really sets a great tone for for the discussions that follow. Um, and, and the origin story uh, that we've just heard kind of kind of has set a cultural sort of chord and a tone that 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 has, has really made the club a very accessible and very psychologically safe environment to have those discussions. Uh, and, and, and motivated learners to come along to to look at ways that they can all improve. Mm, absolutely. And also there's nothing quite like uh, being interested in feedback if it was your idea to get some uh, rather than someone else's. <laughs> all right. Well, Nathan, we better get a little bit uh, tangible here. Can you give us a little sense? If we're turning up to a session of the Meta Debrief Club, what does it look like? Yeah, absolutely, Vic. So what we do is we um, 
I guess I want to talk you through frequency, the setup and the format to help you out. In terms of frequency, we, we meet together every sort of every month, if we can, for, a, for, for about two hours. Um, we have, we have a general sign up that people, anybody in the simulation community in our area can absolutely come and join us. And, um, I guess for this, for this, I'm going to ask you and your listeners to just to close your eyes and dream with me, unless, unless you're driving or doing something that you, you shouldn't be closing your eyes for. But let me paint you a picture. Um, when we arrive on the day, we make sure we've got a setting just right. We really want to work on psychological safety and uh, a really collegial sense. So to that end, imagine with me a, a table with, with hot, coffee and and pastries and um home cooked cook home baked cooking if you can of course covid's thrown that up a little bit over the past 12 months we spent a bit of time at the very beginning getting some introductions setting some some ground rules just like you would at the beginning of a simulation event for example uh and especially thanking those who have perhaps courageously submitted their own debrief to present on that day um originally we were we were trying to really dig into one debrief. And these days we're playing with trying to get two debriefs in that two-hour period. And and often that means we'll maybe focus on a more novice uh, debrief presentation at the beginning and watch a breadth of a whole debrief and try and take it chronologically. And now we're exploring and experimenting with getting some um, uh, more experienced debriefers to submit some and looking at some nuanced pieces, a difficult debrief or a, an emotional moment in a debrief, those kinds of things. Uh, they bring it. They, we watch the selected piece after they tell us what the, the the they tell us what part of the debrief they'd like us to keep an eye on, and, and then we'll just break it open. Uh, actually, like a simulation debrief, a, a legitimate debrief of a debrief. Mm, okay, I think that's given me a good sense of it, especially the um, tangible thing. Just as an aside, because I think people will be interested. Over the last twelve months, have you been have you gone to doing that with people at home in, in a Zoom platform, or do you think it doesn't really need to be in person? Oh, uh, yeah, no, good question. We we have um, we have moved these to uh, online uh, space, and it actually has worked better than I think any of us thought it would work. Uh, and it gives us great ideas for sort of more broad national and international collaboration in that regard. The tricky part for us and the reason why it slowed down is a lot of our simulation core work slowed down whilst everybody focused on the patient lines. So we're looking forward to picking this up again, surely. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we uh, actually heard earlier from Chris about pointing the camera at the debrief, but this this implies that you are actually recording your debriefs. And uh, technically that can actually be quite hard, even if you're a sim in a sim centre, but especially if you're doing some of this work that you're doing on systems and in situ. Does that limit what you can do with this debrief footage or limit the quality of it? Great question. No, yeah, we, we can't, you're right. In situ simulation and um, systems integration simulation, translational type simulation, um, we haven't engaged with, for the reason you've just said, with meta debriefing yet, because you're right, the limitations of following a camera through a debrief, we haven't quite overcome. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's and it's interesting because I certainly have pondered myself that these are got some similarities and some important differences with the debriefing that we might do for sort of education in a simulation centre. All right, well, let's dig into the conversations because this is interesting, isn't it? One of the things that I found when I did that workshop was you talked about having tools and uh, I guess structures and and ways of prompting the conversation so it wasn't just a sort of unstructured free-for-all just like a debrief a debrief the debrief is probably going to lend itself to some good structure now Ed uh, did you want to tell us a little bit about um, what kind of tools and the cards and how you use them 
Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, we've, we've, we've experimented with a few different structures of the debrief. But I think, as Nathan said, the most important bit is to get that psychological safety up first um, and, and allowing the person who brings the video along to give the context of the debrief and describe it um, to, to the others in the group, what was happening at that moment and how the group dynamics were going is a really nice way of kicking off um, the session. And then, uh, you know, then it, the, the process after watching the debrief is similar to a, to a normal debrief, similar to the, to the phases. We'd recommend using a kind of reactions phase and then an agenda setting phase, an analysis of the material before we sort of distill that down into take home messages. But to help, particularly with the analysis phase, we've used a few prompt cards. We've used the OSAD uh, tool and the Dash tools that are available that many people will have experience out there. But we've taken away the scoring element, obviously, of those particular tools and just use them as a framework for people to observe more things. Just use them as a framework to help develop the conversations. And we've also used some, yeah. some other tools as well to stratify the question styles and start thinking about the questions in, in terms of efficiency and in terms of risk, which just helps develop and nurture those conversations that we want to have. Mm. All right. Well, I'll just fill in a few gaps for people who might not do as much faculty development as you do. So the DASH, the debriefing assessment uh, for simulation in healthcare, and that's from the Centre for Medical Simulation available online. So I'll put a link for that for people. And the OSAD, which I think it stands for the Objective Structured Assessment of Debriefing. Uh, Sonia Aurora, I think, was the original author of that. Uh, so both scoring tools that you say, but interesting, not with the scoring. And I've always thought a lot of these tools have got great structure to them, but they may not necessarily need the scoring. And you've and you've sent me very kindly some of these cards, and I think they're quite good. They're sort of big and bold questions. Was the question open or closed? Who's doing the talking, faculty or participant? Was the question safe or risky? And I guess you're not saying any of these things are good. It's just are they achieving the goals that you're happy to achieve? Um, but it sounds like that does then get the people to the conversations you want them to have. Is that right, Ed? Yeah, and I think it's that uh, the realisation that whoever comes along to the course, however much experience they have, we're all experts on how a question is perceived. We're all experts on on how a question would land for us. So, so it provides a really good way into the conversation, you know, and it's not saying that one type of question is, is right or one type of question is wrong. It's just how would this question feel for you right now? And then exploring really when different styles of questions work in, in different circumstances before we sort of move on and distill that down to some things that we're going to try out next time. So things that we're going to put into practice. And when we come to the next Meta Debrief Club, we can develop that conversation even more and, and, and work out which circumstances to use, which styles of questions. Yeah, and I feel like that's an important phase for debriefers to get to, isn't it, where they realise that, you know, what your debrief isn't good or bad, your question isn't right or wrong, it's just has it achieved what you were hoping it would achieve uh, in alignment with your objectives for the session. Uh, all right, we might narrow in on this concept of psychological safety because both of you have made reference to this and I think I would have to say this is necessary. This is something that people will perceive as an identity threat. People will have a lot of pride on the line when they bring their performance to the debrief club. Uh, you want to make it worth people's while. There's no point in just getting there and everyone saying, good job, mate. Yep, I'm glad we uh, did that. 
I'm uh, happy with your debriefing. Uh, but maybe we could expand a little bit. And I think both of you have probably got some thoughts on this. But Nathan, did you want to start about how do we get the rigorous conversation while at the same time uh, respecting the contributions? I think one of the one of the key things uh, I think Chris mentioned in the origin story that we just heard that it was by sheer in- fluke that he just we just he decided to call it a club, but I think that's been one of the key breakthrough moments. Just the power of a name by I think by calling it a club, we dismantled or seemed to dismantle any sort of lofty assessment based idea of what the culture of the group will be, and rather people come with a, a bit more of a collegial even space to speak to people come along much more willingly i think even just by calling it a club what do you think ed yeah definitely it's you know it's it's how it kicked off from the start affects the legacy of what people feel when they come along to it and so so it, it, an inviting atmosphere where it's a collegiate um, approach uh, the get-go is is the foundation to that psychological safety, and, and and I guess there's there's heaps of things that we're used to doing in introductions to simulation sessions, and we just bring that toolkit with us um, to create those open environments with genuine curiosity. Back to Chris's comments about uh, practicing what you preach, really, isn't it? Uh, if we've got these expectations, we have to be able to role model that. All right, so I guess having thought about psychological safety is essential to this, having thought about the tools that we use to try and deconstruct performance when it comes to debriefing, and having thought about the sort of format and the importance of thinking about how we uh, conceptualise this as a club and a supportive environment, uh, I'm interested to know, has it actually made a difference? And before I hear from uh, Ed and from Nathan, uh, we've got a bit more audio from Chris thinking, uh, has it made an impact on his debriefing or the quality of that at the institutions where he's worked? And here's uh, Chris again there now. Because I've been doing this since my very first debrief, it's had a massive impact on my debriefing style. It really allows you to deliberately workshop things like turns of phrase and how you use the whiteboard and when to sit down and stand up and how to use silence. That was a really big one. And we also learned a lot from watching each other's debriefs. You'd often see something done really well and think, how can I take that and bring that to my own debriefing? It's obviously, it's really hard to measure the effects. At the beginning, when the group was small, we could routinely watch a whole debrief. I made a little chart that would let you plot out the phrases of debrief against time. And you could see how the shape of your debriefs changed. And we could definitely see a result there. We could see our agenda setting phase tightening up and becoming more efficient. Or see the focus shift from facilitator delivering teaching to the participants being guided in reflection. I mean, overall, I think it's really helped me up my debriefing game. I think that very analytical approach is really impressive, isn't it? I haven't seen people be so almost quantitative about their debriefs as the way that uh, Chris thinks about it. Is it the same for you, Ed, or different? Yeah, I think it can be a challenge. And I'm not sure if measuring measuring numbers and trying to put numbers against the quality of a debrief is always a good idea. Uh, I think for Chris and that group, at their stage of debriefing where it was a useful tool to look at how their debrief was changing, but then not saying one way is better than the other, but then just using that as an extra metric to, to help analyze and help look at why they were changing their style of debriefing and, and, and how they were doing that. So they found it useful to put numbers on from their perspective, but, um, but, but those numbers aren't validated um, as, a, as a way of, of, of objectively saying their debrief has definitely improved. 
So it's data informed, not data driven. Yeah, exactly. And and I, and I think we'd, we'd, Nathan and I would put a call out there to have, we'd, we'd be very interested in your listeners' thoughts on this and how we demonstrate the effects, the perceived benefits uh, to the individuals that attend the session. But also we, we felt that there's a huge uh, benefit to the groups themselves into, into creating a more reflective, sympathetic and supportive um, members of the, of the faculty. And also during the MetaDebrief Club, when we do it within house, within within a group uh, that teach on the same course, we often find it makes them reflect about their whole simulation process, the way they've designed their scenarios. It's not infrequent we have conversations that go a bit like this, where where we say, "Oh, I always have problems with that bit in the debrief as well during this scenario," and it makes us really think about tightening up our scenarios and maybe changing our scenarios a little to make some of these conversations a bit easier. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, all right. Well, um, before we leave this question of impact, um, anything else you wanted to add on that, Nathan? Do you do, do you see the difference? Do you think? I've seen. I see it as a, a really essential part of these days. Uh, these novice debriefers coming in, um, sitting around together, and uh, year after year, I see their proficiency in debriefing escalate really quickly. It's been really interesting. Before we were implemented Meta Debrief Club, we would always give a lot of feedback and, and coach wherever we could. But just to have people sit around with a little bit of a, a disciplined, structured, semi-structured, uh, informally formal way um, has really uh, – accelerated i think their proficiency as they go so i think our faculty base is growing quickly and the quality assurance is is there because of this kind of program yeah seems like you've hit the sweet spot between a overly structured assessment evaluative experience versus just a how is that all right uh it, it has enough informality formal informality about it I think that you've managed to hit the nail on the head all right well I guess everyone by this stage is actually thinking yeah I might do something like this so I'm going to ask you both for some uh tips you know things that maybe you wish you'd done differently or still wish you were doing differently uh, and advice for others thinking up the program uh that they might do so uh, Ed did you want to kick us off on that yeah I think if I was to give some advice for others um setting up something similar I think it's that it's that uh, phrase that I think came from Carl Rogers, a psychologist, um, back in the uh, early 1980s, I think around then, who says you should pay as much attention to the relationship with the learners as the content of the learning. And I think that's a that's a useful thing to think about when we run simulation in general. But definitely, when you think about meta debriefing and getting that group together. Is, is it's, is it's a really important to have that as your starting point and everything else will flow from there. Um, and if you, if you do anything that breaks down that relationship, then, then the, then the enthusiasm and the motivation and the engagement that you get and um, just kind of drip away. So focus on that first and then everything else will flow from there. Yeah, exactly. And I guess to add another kind of educational lens to it, I think it's it's a networked relationship too, or dare I say it, a community of practice uh, that rests on having those relationships as well as that, um, you know, shared repertoire and joint enterprise and mutual engagement that they talk about in communities of practice. Uh, Nathan, tips that you would have for others embarking on the same activity? 
Yeah, sure. I, I think uh, environment setting and space setting is is absolutely paramount and essential. I th- and, and again, preaching to the choir of simulationists in, in, in simulcast here today, but I couldn't underline enough the importance of the almost like the pre-brief, the, the scene setting. Uh, people are just like in a simulation setting coming in quite anxious or nervous about presenting their pre-brief or their debrief, I should say. And so, um, you know, prompt cards are good. All of these tools that we've discussed and that we can make freely available to anybody interested. Absolutely. But it's all about getting that first bit of that, uh, that psychological safety and that experience just right. I also think, as we've already talked about today, there's something about the timing and we've explored different ways of timing. You know, the, uh, is it better at the end of a session? Is it, is it better? Uh, when is it the best place to, one, to run a debrief? I think we've tried straight after sessions when everybody's exhausted. It hasn't really been as fruitful. We've tried bringing back meta debrief moments um, six or seven months down the track and Still useful, but the people presenting it can't quite remember why they were trying to ask certain questions at certain times. So something around, I don't know, what have we found? It's something about the, around the first couple of weeks or month or so after the debrief seems to be this sweet spot for us. And finally, and I'll, I think there's something about um, making events of it when you can. We have this, uh, my favorite Meta Debrief Club event is every Christmas. We have the Christmas edition of the Meta Debrief Club where it's a mandatory that we gather around somebody's home, get out of the clinical environment, um, put on the ugly Christmas jumpers that everybody loves so much and uh, watch back some of the, the key moments that have happened the last few months in debriefing um, over a, a glass of wine or, or orange juice um, for those who prefer. Yeah, so I was going to say you'd be doing that in the snow, in the mulled wine. That's not exactly our Christmas scene, but I can imagine. I got, I got a picture there, Nathan. That's lovely. The last thing to think about is where, where are things going for the Meta Debrief Club? Yeah, so we just want to continue to grow it, really. I mean, we, we see it benefits our individuals and our groups. Um, and, and, and I guess one, one area we're keen to grow it in is, is with international collaboration and looking at at different styles of debrief. I mean, it's one thing to read about a model of debriefing or style of debriefing in the literature, but it's another thing to actually watch it in action and then be involved in a reflective discussion about which bits worked well. And, and I think we can all learn from each other as, as a simulation community. Yeah, I think that's super important because I see in a lot of institutions where there's one or two very powerful uh, influences on the approach to debriefing, and usually they're very good, but their style may not suit everybody and to have more diverse influences that are equally as strong uh, I think is probably a good thing, yeah. Uh, Nathan, any other aspirations from your perspective? So many aspirations, Vic. I've, I've, I've got some, um, we've got some imagine ifs that I'd present to our team and to our listeners. Uh, things like imagine if we had a scenario club. There's something about the momentum of the concept. A scenario MOT for those who are listening from the UK about really coming around scenarios and just quality assuring them and getting more and more eyes upon them and breaking them down or, or, or focused, um, uh, meta debrief club sessions that we could advertise as such things like uh, meta debrief club specifically focusing on the reactions phase for those who use such a phase in their structured debriefs or or uh, meta debrief club all around the use of video um, things that people can really come around on a more broad spectrum around a very specific moment in a debrief we think might be what we do this year 
Wow, this is very exciting. Well, I think you've given yourself a ticket to another podcast soon because I'm keen to hear how all this goes. I'm very sure this won't be the last conversation we have. Uh, well, I guess as we wrap up, any um, other final thoughts, comments from either of you? I just recommend people to to get out there and do it. There are lots of, of, of people doing this already um, and, and we'd be interested to hear from you. And, and it's it, once you start on the journey, the palpable level of engagement and enthusiasm um, of, of watching each other grow and improve in this in this really challenging skill is is, is so rewarding. So so I'd recommend others to take it up. Vic, I'm looking forward to the first Gold Coast Australia Meta Debrief Club chapter, and um, would love to come and be part of that. <laughs> well, be careful what you wish for, and at least you and I'll be able to understand each other, so that'll be something. Uh, although we do have a Scottish education fellow right now, and we, we sometimes struggle a little bit. He's got a much broader accent than uh, the ones I've heard tonight. On that note, Simulcast listeners, uh, we've been talking with Ed Mullenby and Nathan Oliver from NHS Lothian all about their Meta Debrief Club and thinking about how we can make our debriefing better, how we can help peer support our colleagues and how might structure and a uh, community of practice like the Meta Debrief Club really help that process. Uh, if you're interested in following them on Twitter, they do have a Twitter handle at Meta Debrief Club, but I know they would also be happy to be contacted if you've got some thoughts, interests and want to find out more. Well, thank you both for your time. Thanks so much, Vic. Thank you. Thank you.